Jacob wrestles with God. Genesis 32, verses 22 to 31. That night, Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two female servants, and his eleven sons, and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. After he'd sent them across the stream, he sent over all his possessions. So Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip, so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, Let me go, for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. The man asked him, What is your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, Your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. Jacob said, Please tell me your name. But he replied, Why do you ask my name? Then he blessed him there. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, This is, it is because I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared. The sun rose above him as he passed Peniel, and he was limping because of his hip. Good morning, everyone. It's good to be with you at Newcastle Baptist Church today. This is actually the second time I've preached here. The last time was, uh, I think it was earlier this year, so it's twice in one year. Um, those of you who don't know, I'm rector at St. Giles Church in Newcastle under Lyme. I'm married to Shelley, who's also a minister. She's a Church of England minister in, um, um, I forget now, um, St. Paul's in Burslem. So uh, we've got very different churches to minister in. Um, those of you who probably don't know, um, I actually come from a long line of Pentecostal pastors. Um, in fact, all of my family were pretty much Pentecostal. And then one day, my cousin Amy fell in love. And it was shocking, really was shocking, the person she fell in love with, because she fell in love with a Baptist. <laughs> My goodness me, she eventually married him. He was a, became a Baptist, he was a Baptist pastor in Wales. Well, I decided to up the stakes and become an Anglican. So now that's uh, even, even worse than being a Baptist and a Pentecostalized. But it is a joy to be with you here today to share um, fellowship and to share God's word together. So let us pray. So come Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit, open our hearts, open our minds, open our lives to Christ as he has revealed to us in the scriptures, that we may live to the glory of God the Father. Amen. I want you to imagine Jacob. He's in the darkness and the very darkest point of the night and he's alone he's at the ford of the river Yabok 
And what's happened is that he's had to split his family up. So his, some of his wives and children, go, some of his wife and his children go one way, his other wife and his children go the other way. Why? Because his brother Esau is coming to meet him. And why is Esau coming to meet him? Because he's, in Jacob's eyes, he's coming to kill him. The reason why he split his family up is so he can be safe. And so in the midst of the darkness, in the midst of loneliness, being completely by himself, Jacob, at the ford of the river Yabbok, finds himself encountering a very strange man. And what do they do? They wrestle. And they wrestle, and they wrestle until daybreak nearly comes. And Jacob will not stop wrestling this man. And so the man strikes Jacob's hip, and it puts it out of socket. But Jacob will not let him go. And the man says to Jacob, let go of me, for it is nearly daybreak. And Jacob says, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And then the man asks, what is your name? What is your name? The whole of Jacob's life has been leading up to this moment. Everything he has done comes down to this question. What is your name? Let's recap. Names are important. I don't know whether you've um, come across the song A Boy Called Sue or A Boy Named Sue by Johnny Cash. Has anybody come across it? Yes, I love this song. For those of you who don't know this song, there's a man and he's called Sue. Um, and uh, his father called him Sue and then left him and his mother. And so he grows up always being bullied, and so he has to learn to fight for himself. And eventually, um, he's, he's a grown man now, he's pretty strong, and he encounters no one else in a bar one night but his father. And he finds out it's fa- his father, and Johnny Cash, as he tells the story, decide, um, tells the story, talks about how they get into a massive fight. And it is vicious. And his father is a strong fighter, but Sue is a stronger fighter. And eventually, just as he's about to launch the killing blow, his father says, stop, stop. This is the reason why I called you Sue. The man stops. He's like, what, what, what? And his father said, you see, I um, knew I was going to have to leave your mother, but I wanted you to grow up strong. And the only way I knew you'd grow up strong is if I called you Sue, because then you would get all bullied and things like that, so you'd have to learn to fight for yourself. And Sue just stops and he thinks to himself, yeah, that's a good point. And so he makes up with his father and then he, he goes away and the song ends by him saying, you know what? Um, If I uh, had a child of my own, I think I would call it anything else but Sue. (laughs) Now, by calling him Sue, um, he 
actually grew up to be this strong person. And there's actually a phrase for this. This is called nominative determinism. Has anybody heard that phrase, nominative determinism? It basically indicates what you name something indicates what it's going to be like. So, for example, if you named somebody Cressida Beatrice or um, Maximilian, they are more likely, would you believe it, to get better jobs simply because the expectation that comes with the name comes with the expectation of such educational aspects and things like that. So it's one of those things you are determined by your name. And this is what we find in the Bible. Again and again and again in the Bible, people are named with a purpose. Because a name in a Bible isn't just a label. I'm called Josh. But Josh doesn't say anything about my personality. No, um, in the Bible, a name determines who you are. A name declares what your, what your personality is to a certain extent. Um, a name encompasses everything about you. A name expresses who a person is. And so we have Jacob. Jacob by name, Jacob by nature. You see, he was born a twin. You can find that in Genesis 25, verse 24 to 26. And Jacob means he takes by the heel or he supplants. He takes by the heel or he supplants. Why is this? Well, when Jacob was born, he, as I say, he was a twin. So his brother Esau was the one who got born first of the two. But we see Jacob first of all, and what's he doing? He, he's grasping Esau's heel, almost as if, as if he's trying to pull Esau back so he can get ahead. From the very start of Jacob's life, he's trying to get ahead of his brother Esau. He, he, he wants to be the firstborn. Whereas Esau is the one who is the firstborn. So, from birth, he's trying to get ahead of his brother Esau. Trying to pull his brother back. Jacob by name, Jacob by nature. We meet both Jacob and Esau when they're a bit older. By now, they're, uh, um, Esau's a man, and let's be honest, he is a manly man. I am not a manly man. My wife does the, uh, all the, like, the hard work, fixes the cars. Um, she uh, does things like do, does the gardening and things like that. I, meanwhile, like to cook the food, do the washing and things like that. That's my kind of work. I am not a manly man. So I hear about Esau being a manly man. He's the strong one. He's the hunter. He's the worker. And what's more, he's very heavy. He's very heavy. He's not, nevertheless, the cleverest of the two. But Jacob is the opposite. He's not strong. He doesn't seem to be the hunter. He's the one who, at home who does the cooking. Um, and he's definitely not hairy. He's very smooth. But he's actually quite crafty. Now, when Esau got hungry after working the fields one day, he comes home, he sees Jacob cooking, and he says to Jacob, can I have some food? Give me some of that red stuff, he says. And Jacob says he would only give it to him if he sold him his birthright, which Esau does. Once again, we see Jacob trying to get ahead trying to get ahead, trying to become the firstborn. Jacob by name, Jacob 
by nature. Years later, Isaac, that's Jacob and Esau's father, is getting old and he's nearing death. And we find this in Genesis chapter 27. And he's now blind. He's blind. So he can only tell really by people's voices and by touch. But he tells Esau to go on a hunt, to prepare him some savory food, and then Isaac will bless his firstborn son. Let's recap about this word blessing. Blessing in the Old Testament, it's not magic. Sometimes we have this idea that it can be like magic. Rather, blessing is a way of affirming who someone or what something is. Affirming who someone or what something is. Blessing is about declaring abundance, life, even a future. When God blesses the Sabbath in Genesis 2, he is declaring that it is a day of abundance and life. When the psalmists praise God, they are affirming God, they're declaring him to be life and abundance in their future. In the same way that once a word comes out of your mouth and you can't get it back in, it's out there, likewise with a blessing. Once the blessing is given, it cannot be reversed, it cannot be revoked. So when Isaac is wanting to come, his, come to bless his firstborn son Esau, he is affirming him to be his successor. He is declaring that he has all the abundance and life and the future that comes with that. The thing is, Isaac is always preferred Esau. But Jacob and Esau's mother, Rebekah, prefers Jacob. She overhears this conversation between Isaac and Esau, and so she decides to tell Jacob what's going to happen. And so she prepares Jacob some savory food, and because he's quite bare, she puts some animal skins on his arm so he feels hairy. And in Genesis 27, verse 18 to 19, Jacob goes into Isaac's tent, and we hear this. So Jacob went into his father and said, My father. And Isaac said, Here I am. Who are you, my son? Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. Jacob is pretending to be someone else. He's pretending to be his brother. He's trying to supplant once again his brother. But the trick works. His father blesses Jacob, thinking it's Esau. And when Esau finds out and discovers that he can't get that blessing because the blessing cannot be revoked, he plans on killing Jacob as soon as his father Isaac has died. Rebecca once again hears about this, and so she tells her son, you need to leave, you need to run. And so Jacob spends most of his life running away from Esau, running away from his past. He ends up learning what it means to be tricked at being at the receiving end of a lie. So what happens? He runs to his uncle Laban, who makes Jacob work seven years in order to marry his youngest daughter, Rachel, only to trick Jacob into marrying his eldest daughter, Leah. So Jacob has to work another seven years to marry Rachel. 
That's 14 years of Jacob's life taken away from him because he has been tricked. During those years, do you think Jacob began to learn what it must have been like for Esau? Esau's own life being taken away from him because Jacob had tricked him. It's during these years I wonder whether Jacob realizes he can't keep on running away from his past. That he needs to now return home. And as he begins to return home, he's discovered that Esau, and not just Esau, but four hundred men are coming to meet him. Four hundred men. This, this is not kind of like a, the, the, when you meet somebody, you don't bring four hundred armed soldiers with you. That's not exactly a kind of a, a sign of, I want to reconcile and make things all things right. That's a sign of saying, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to kill you. Esau finally getting to kill Jacob. Jacob's past had finally caught up with him. Have you ever had those moments when your past seems to catch up with you? When, where you've managed to avoid the consequences of bad actions in the past? And now those consequences are finally here. I met a man just this week who had smoked just for 15 years and gave it up for the last 30 years only to discover now he's got lung cancer. His past, he feels, has just caught up with him. Now, maybe you feel like you've spent your life running away from bad decisions made. Maybe you just can't run away from them anymore, and, you know, you just need to face up with them. Perhaps your life feels like it's been ruled by bad decisions in the past, that your future opportunities have been choked off by these bad decisions. Maybe you now feel trapped by your past. Let's return to Jacob. So he's divided his family into two groups for their protection. And he's left by himself at the Yabok Ford. And in the darkness and the loneliness and the fear of what is coming, he begins wrestling with this stranger. And we later learn that this stranger is none else but God himself. You see, it's not always in the mountains when we meet God. Not always like those Moses moments when we're on top of the mountain full of the glory of God. Or those David moments when he's dancing in the streets. You know, it's not always those times when we encounter God. It's not always when life is going well. Sometimes it's in the darkest moments when we encounter God, when we feel trapped by our past decisions, when we just cannot see any hope for the future. But, but this is not like a happy moment necessarily, like almost the light in the darkness. Instead, we find ourselves wrestling with God, wrestling. And Jacob, he refuses to stop wrestling with God. He refuses to submit It's at this point we see the power of God. In my Bible, um, I read that the man struck 
Jacob on the hip. Now that sounds quite fierce, you know, proper punch. But I like the translation you had up here, because actually it's more accurate. The real word is touched. Almost like a tap. Tap. Like that. The man taps Jacob's hip and knocks it out of the socket. This just shows the power of this man who's been wrestling with Jacob. He's been holding back. He could easily destroy Jacob at any moment, but actually, in his grace, he has allowed Jacob to wrestle with him. Jacob is lucky to be alive. Jacob will walk away from this limping. And when we wrestle with God, we may find ourselves limping afterwards, spiritually speaking. But this is the thing about God. God wants us to wrestle with him in the dark points. By grace, God allows us to do this. By his love, he allows us to wrestle with him in the darkest moments. And then we have this point when God says to Jacob, Let me go, for the day is breaking. But Jacob refuses to let go. He says, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Jacob wants God's blessing, God's affirmation, God's declaration of life, God's declaration of abundance, God's future. He wants it all. Because on one occasion, he had pretended to be somebody else in order to receive a blessing. But he wants God's blessing right now. And this is the key thing. When we find ourselves wrestling with God, the trick is not to let go. No matter how difficult it is, keep wrestling. Keep wrestling. Don't let go of God because God in his grace is allowing you to wrestle with him. It's almost like the parable Jesus talked about with the widow who kept on pestering the judge, kept on pestering the judge, kept on pestering the judge until the judge would listen. Therefore, keep wrestling with God in your prayers when you're going through the dark times. Keep on with your Bible reading. Don't let go of God. And it's at this point, when Jacob refuses to let go of God, that God asks Jacob, what is your name? Of course, He really is asking, who are you? This is the crunch moment. Jacob has to be honest with God and honest with himself. He's the one who deceived others to get ahead. The one who tried to drag others back. But he can't pretend to be someone else this time. He can't pretend to be Esau this time. In order to get that blessing, he has to be honest with God. He needs to say, I'm Jacob by name. Jacob by nature. It's the same with us. When we find that our past has caught up with us, when we find that our sin is taking over our lives, when we find that our future is slipping away, this is when God asks, what is your name? This is the point at which we need to be honest with God, open with God. 
Maybe it's about confessing our sin to God at that point. Maybe saying to God, I've made a mess of things. This is who I am. It's about not trying to hide behind a false piety, not to pretend to be someone else. I mean, it's almost like going to a doctor. If you were to go to a doctor and the doctor says, what's wrong with you? And you don't tell the doctor what's wrong with you. There's not much the doctor can do. If you don't tell the doctor your symptoms, he won't be able to heal you. But it's likewise with God. Coming to God, being open with God, honest with God. In the midst of the wrestling, in the midst of the darkest points. And Jacob responds to God's question, what is your name? Jacob. It's at this point that the story turns. It's at this point where Jacob's life turns around. Because in response to hearing Jacob admitting his true name, his true nature, his true self, God says, you shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. Now, I mentioned earlier that whenever someone is renamed in the Bible, it's a big deal. It's a big deal. Likewise here. Jacob has gone from being the person who deceives others to get ahead, to being the person who has a future with hope. Israel shall be the nation of blessing through which God will bless the world. Through Israel, undreamt of opportunities and possibilities will break forth. Through Israel, God will become one of us in Jesus Christ, and his church will become the new Israel, spreading through every corner of the globe. And it begins here. Jacob has gone from being a man defined by his past to being a man defined by his future. God gave him a blessing. By giving him a new beginning. You see, for us today, we find that in Jesus Christ, we are no longer defined by our past. Whatever we have done, we are not defined by it. On the cross, Jesus wrestled with the powers of sin, death, and hell, and he overcame them. Like Jacob, with his hip, Jesus suffered. And he's got the scars on his hands and his feet and his forehead and his side and his back to prove it. Through his cross, Jesus opened up to us all an unconceivable blessing. On the cross, he has taken on all your bad mistakes in the past and he has defeated them. When we come to him in penitence, in honesty about who we are, about the mistakes we have made, about our nature, when we too can say, I am Jacob by name and Jacob by nature, we find that in Jesus Christ we are forgiven. And when we come to him in faith, in trust of what he has done for us on the cross, we find we are renamed. We are no longer named sinners, enemies of God, rebels. We are no longer those who have made a mess of their lives. We are no longer those who are defined by our pasts. No. We 
are now brothers and sisters of Christ Jesus. We are sons and daughters of God. We have a future opened up to us in Christ Jesus. One which is so amazing, so glorious, so wondrous, that we can barely comprehend it. Through Jesus Christ, we are given a future with hope. We are renamed. The next day, Jacob finally encounters his brother. This is the point where Jacob has been fearing all his life. But rather than forgiving him, Esau forgives him. Rather than killing him, Esau forgives him. In fact, more than that, he embraces him. Now that word embrace in Hebrew, it's actually the same word as wrestle. It's the same word. So when Jacob thought he was wrestling with God, he was also being embraced by him in his love. And so that makes us think today about how we approach God. We can come to Jesus today to come to his embrace. I don't know if you're finding your past catching up with you. If so, let us come to Jesus together. I don't, don't know whether if you're feeling like you don't have a future anymore. Well, let's come to Jesus together. I don't know if you're in the darkest of places and you just need to wrestle with God right now. Well, let's come to Jesus together. I don't know if you've got a pain in your heart, in your soul, that won't go away. Well, let's come to Jesus together. I don't know if there's something you haven't been honest about with God. And you just need to bring it to God. Well, let's come to Jesus together. Because in Christ Jesus, we have been renamed. We are no longer Jacob by name, Jacob by nature. Because in Christ Jesus, we are restored. We have a future with hope. In Jesus Christ, we discover that we are not defined by our pasts. No. In Jesus Christ, we discover we are defined by our future. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, we give you thanks that on the cross you wrestled with sin, death, and hell. You defeated the powers of Satan. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you have overcome on the cross even the bad mistakes we have made in our own lives. We pray, Lord God, right now, that we may come to you That if we need to wrestle with you, we may have that opportunity to wrestle with you. If we need to hear that word of hope, that we may hear that word of hope. That if we have sins, we just need to confess to you that we bring them to you at this time. And in doing so, we may feel your embrace. 
that we may feel that future you hold for us, that hope, that glory that you have won for us. We pray this in your name. Amen.